Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks. This is Kaylee here with the lovely Jennifer Hetland. It has been so long since we've done a podcast, and it's been a while since we've had Jennifer on the podcast, which is super exciting for us to talk about a subject and a series that um, the last several episodes have been focusing on. Jennifer came to know Christ at an early age. She started out as a minister's child and then married a minister as well. Many of you know that minister. His name is Leif Hetland. Her ministry is first and foremost to her family, Leif and their four children, Leif Emmanuel, Lila, Courtney, and Catherine. She carries a heart for women and young people. She's affectionately called Mama Jen. She wants them all to be all that God has created them to be, anyone who calls her Mama Jen. So welcome, welcome. How are you feeling today? It's been a morning. But, you know, every morning is a morning. And we get to, uh, you know, receive it, approach it, deal with it, walk through it, cry a little, fight a little, punch a wall if you need to. But, uh, yeah. So we're, you know, navigating losing Papa Jack this week. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting. It really is. And uh, navigating other people's sorrows and pains. And, And maybe that's a little bit of where we'll head today. With PTCD, which, uh, funny enough, Leif coined without recognizing that he he coined it. And um, stepping into what does that mean to individuals and how many people, once I posted it on Facebook, responded with, I need to hear this message, which is really, really sad. And really, really powerful as well. So... Yeah, that is. That's um, an unfortunate thing, but uh, there's something that you just mentioned that I I really want to talk about today is um, when you process your own sorrow and pain uh, related to PTCD or PTMD, post-traumatic ministry disorder, um, how that maturity and that experience allows you to walk with other people in their sorrows. Um, just to give an intro, if this is your first podcast you're listening to in this series, we're talking about something called PTCD, post-traumatic church disorder. Um, sometimes you'll hear the phrase church hurt, or I've been hurt by my leaders uh, and a lot of Christians, um, based on feedback that we've gotten on this series are saying, this is the reason why they don't go back to church. So we want to talk about this because um, God's idea of his church is beautiful, Uh, And we want to get at the core of that. So every year, around 2.7 million church members are leaving due to experiencing some form of abuse, disillusionment, or feelings of abandonment and neglect. I'm not talking about simply being hurt by Christians, but experiencing trauma like defamation of character, slanderous gossip, or abuse. Jennifer, have you ever experienced (laughs) any of that in church? (laughs) Uh, Those of you who've never really heard my testimony. I was raised um, by some beautiful humans. I still love my mommy and daddy to pieces. I'm totally a daddy's girl, but I'm a carbon copy of my mom, according to my children. And um, I I loved the conformity of, of law and 
rules and things like that, and they, they gave me comfort. And so the, the church that I attended growing up was very much focused on word base, which I think is fantastic. You can't navigate this world without being grounded in the word. And um, interesting enough, though, when any human feels the need to step into the place that only God can be, we, we can all slip into error. And so that's where we found ourselves. I was uh, fully married, four kids. We would moved back from Norway, and we found ourselves in a situation where people were afraid. Uh, just straight up honest, they were afraid of the things of the Spirit that were beginning to happen. Um, I think they thought we were going to have another split, which we'd had back in the 70s when I was around 18. And I remembered even thinking then, why do people leave family? <laughs> you know, I lost aunts and cousins, not not blood-related, but that's how I feel about Jesus' people. We're related because of Him. And so anytime we're hurting others in his name or being hurt by others in his name, we have so slipped away from who Jesus called us to be and what he called us to do. So we found ourselves brought before church, kicked out, woo-woo, um, not funny, funny. I remember it even with the kids at home because I kind of went underground for a little while and uh, I was mad at God. I was mad at people. And we had just gotten a puppy, and this is probably not necessarily appropriate to say out loud on this podcast, but I'm going to anyway. And I had encouraged the children, if you take her out, she has to go outside and go potty first. You know, we're training and that sort of thing. Well, I had cookies in the oven, ran downstairs, turned the corner in my socks, and slid right through pee. And I said the wordy dirt, you know, the, the oh, hmm. And my son pops up and he goes, just because we got kicked out of the church doesn't mean you have to talk like you've never been to church. <laughs> and it was it was a bit of levity for that day, but the sorrow was real. And to be, if if you will, um, these were people I loved. They, they had known me since I was 15. And uh, I think the reality of being asked to leave a church by... Uh, by people you loved and felt protected by in one situation, and now you're being exposed and stripped in another. It was um, it was really hard, and for a season I couldn't talk about it without crying. And because these are I'm, I'm talking people I babysat for for ten years, um, people whose sons tried to date me, um, <laughs> like people whose children I'd kept in nurseries and things like that. And so it felt very personal. It felt very much, um, we just don't want to be with you anymore kind of thing. And so navigating those feelings and then walking through healing. And we all have the opportunity to do the very same. Like I had made judgments in my past of people who honestly They were wrong. They were wrong judgments. Um, and instead of giving grace, I was giving law. So then I was met with law. And it was very uncomfortable when that happened. But getting to the place where we can talk about these things and not feel that sting or to not feel like we still want revenge, mm -hmm. that's a beautiful thing. But that takes time. 
Other people can navigate it quickly. For me, it took a bit of time. But I do love those people. And every time I see them when I go to visit my parents, I give them hugs. Um, there are people who still want to avoid me, which is cool, you know, but that's, that's between them and God. And how do we show who Jesus is? I think one of the things we were kind of laughing about, Kaylee, you and I, um, I was talking with Lila, and we give a name to something which sometimes gives it more power than it should have. So, yes, people have been hurt by people. But everyone who came into contact with Jesus left changed. They left seen. They left loved. They left valued. They felt important. I mean, any of the stories that you see in in Scripture. So it's not what did they do to me, but what can I do to either help them navigate their world of pain or their fear. Sometimes it's a fear of losing control. And honestly, in Jesus' world, until you've given up control to the Holy Spirit, you're bound anyway. Wow. Um, I like how you flip the script on that in the way where it's like both ways, right? Oftentimes, it is so real that hurt people hurt people. And um, depending on where that person's at in life, what kind of fear they're, they're experiencing, or if they want control, they will say mean things or do mean things. But oftentimes, um, the other side is also responsible too. Um, so you had mentioned in your, when you were kicked out of the Baptist church, you and your family, that you had went underground for a certain amount of time. Um, can you talk more about that season of your life? Like, how were you experiencing God? What were you crying out for? Like, that sorrow that you were experiencing, like, how were you navigating that? Oh, goodness, Kaylee. That's a, it's, that's a long answer, I think. Um, t- to be perfectly honest, we went from being kicked out of that church to moving to Alabama, and then that's where uh, we had the situation where life ended up in the treatment center for the painkillers. And so... <laughs> Many of you might not really want to know this, but it it was about 10 years of staying in foxholes. Um, I I felt like every time I'd get up, like even in in that church in particular, once we were not on staff, I wasn't allowed to pray for people at the altar anymore. And I thought, what happened to the person that was allowed to? Like, did I did I lose my Jesus card? Did I did I actually and not invited to birthday parties Um, by association? You are, you know, uh, you're not seen. Um, so I personally slipped into being really angry with God. I was mad at my husband. I was mad at the world. I was mad at Jesus' people because I thought this can't be all there is in Jesus' world. I was afraid of the Holy Spirit because at that point I still wasn't quite fully aware of how much access I had to the third part of who God is. And interesting enough, that was the greatest fear that God has kicked out of the Baptist church was not being able to put the Holy Spirit in a box or in defining situations. And my my sorrow for anyone who is not fully aware with the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I will send you a teacher and a comforter. And I need that teacher and comforter. I need that teacher and comforter 
every single day navigating life. And so it seemed as if every time I try to crawl out of the foxhole and be, you know, make myself available to the father, um, someone to take a shot. So I'd go back down. And um, what I began to find out were the healings that were taking place in my soul, in my spirit. And as difficult as it might sound, I had to be alone to get fixed. My being around people wasn't fixing me. My going to conferences, no offense, wasn't fixing me. But God had to get me in a place where I am your God, period. Give me your children, period. Give me your identity, period. And no one else could do those things for me. Um, once I was in Norway and I, I went on a jog and I was, uh, I was angry. <laughs> and as I'm jogging along, God said, do ye lite nåde til andre, begrunnet du ye lite nåde til deg selv. And God and I generally do not speak Norwegian to each other. It's not my first language. But I felt whether it was the location or his ability to make me go, ah. <laughs> and translated, he said, Jennifer, you give so little grace to others because you give so little grace to yourself. And so him walking me through the ability to give myself grace, the ability to forgive myself, to forgive my mistakes. So, and I, I argued with him a little bit because I felt like, well, if I have such a high standard, I feel like other people should have such a high standard. But that generally puts you back into judge, jury, lawyer, instead of being willing to be part of other people's walks and how they navigate through their pain. And it's not, it's not always going back to the past, but finding out what is it God has for me today? Where am I headed? What is your purpose for me on this planet? And then as we can and as we're available, as we make ourselves available to others, they're also going to find their healing. And they're also going to figure out, oh, I don't have to be mad or I don't have to hold on to this. But anytime there's unforgiveness, anytime, mark it down. You have given someone else power over you. Wow, that's so true. And I'm a control freak. So I don't want anybody else to have power over me. So I forgive you, 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 I forgive you. You didn't ask, but I forgive you. I forgive you too. So navigating the church wounds, and I, I even thought on the way here this morning, it could also be post-traumatic Christian disorder. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Because sometimes we look at the church as an organization and people in power, hmm. but it can also be people who misrepresent who Jesus is. That's, that's it. That's it. And if we didn't see, because, you know, in, in, in an authority structure, um, yes, leadership carries more weight and more responsibility, but you can be just as easily maligned by a Sunday school class or a teacher or whatever. And if um, 2020 didn't show us much at all, it showed us that the church has yet to love each other the way Christ would. Like that we, we feel the need 
to attack other people who are supposed to be siblings mm. yeah. and tear them down and take them apart or abuse the authority that we've been given and subjugate people to our needs and our desires. You know, the greatest leader is never afraid of strong people. The greatest leader is never afraid that someone's going to pass them up. Wow. You know, as a mama, it is... Now, if somebody tells me that Catherine made a cake that tastes better than mine, I, I'm going to be a little bit sad. But um, <laughs> generally speaking, I'm going to be like, yes, hallelujah. Why wouldn't I celebrate my kids being greater than I am at something? It doesn't make me lose my mamahood. It doesn't make me lose my humanity to have someone do something differently or something more creative or something. And so I feel like sometimes in church world, you know, just because you have the microphone doesn't make you more important. That's true. It actually means you got a big old responsibility mm -hmm. and a higher level of, people don't like this word, discipline. You know, we, we want to be anti-anything to do with discipline, and some people use the P word as a cuss word, punishment. Um, but God said he chastens those he loves. And it's not about a spanking or a, a shame or a guilt. And that's where the error came, was when people were using guilt and shame to try to bring forth effective change that they could not allow the Holy Spirit to do. So... They didn't trust the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, so they're going to dictate a level of morality or behavior, and you can't dictate that. Holy Spirit will bring about those changes, and I'm also not saying that there is never room for discipline within the body of Christ. You, you really cannot have someone molesting children in the nursery and, and give them a cuddle and say, oh, I, you know, we're never going to do anything about this. That's not what we're saying. What we're talking about is abuse of power and bringing shame and guilt on people for things that are outside of. Now, we're not talking about what's said in Scripture is, is wrong and right, but we're talking about things that are extra-biblical or that you do not agree with the gifts of the Spirit. And when you bring about any kind of a law that goes against Scripture, you're, you're slipping into dictator world. And it's definitely not led by the Spirit. So there's there's always the, you know, for anybody to go, oh, well, that church hurt me. Well, always define, did you do something? Because you don't get to be a victim if you made a mistake. Mm -hmm. That's when you slip into humility and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. But so many churches also still don't know how to navigate how to walk with wounded people how to bring them to healing at the same time as protecting more abuse from them. But most of our church wounds were things that had nothing to do with Scripture. Yeah. Like outside of, I mean, the Holy Spirit absolutely did. Mm -hmm. But um, just because we had a difference in a belief system over the fruit of the Spirit. and it, It's just interesting. But yeah. you can make a doctrine out of anything. Absolutely. Um, so I'm interested to know your journey of getting back into church. So after you were hurt, 
were there lies or was there an image of the church that you had in your mind that you started to believe that wasn't proper? And if so, how did you get to the place where you were able to say, actually, I want to be a part of a community. I want to fight for that. Or this is my desire is, you know, like what are the fears that you've had to face in that? Because it's an ongoing thing, especially when you've experienced so much hurt. It's not like always a one-time fix. Like you just wake up and it's like, I trust everyone now. Um, it's it's time. Like you're saying it takes time. But what were some of the lies that you've had to face? And how like how have you gone beyond that and saying, no matter what, I'm going to choose it? Honestly, I'm still in process. Yeah. I'll, I'll be 60 this year. I, I don't care telling my pe- people my age. But um, I had relationships that literally just walked away, friendships. Mm-hmm. It, it makes you a little less likely to form lasting bonds with people. And, and also, I, we moved over. I think my mom stopped counting at 30, 30 moves growing up. Really? So I was always the new kid, always, like always having to forge new relationships and um, always being the new kid in school, a uh, little bit Native American, moving to South Alabama in 1968. I was, mm, hmm, is she mixed, you know? And, uh, yeah, she mixed. She's a little mixed up, too, but, uh, you know, but a little bit of Cherokee made me dark enough to, to look different. And... So I, I had no problem making friends, but then those adult friendships where people are afraid to be your friend and they walk away and then you go, wait a minute, here I am, you know, X number of years and I'm having a hard time making friends. And so you find these lasting relationships, but the majority of my true heart relationships are people... Um, not always local. So whether or not you have to create the community that you need outside of the actual physical community that you live in, but then on the flip side of that, go with me to Publix. Yeah, that's that's true. Those are my people. <laughs> you know everyone and everyone knows Those are you. my people. They're like, hey, Miss Jennifer. And, you know, I'm like, hey, how's the this and how's the that? And that's what another piece, though, of when – things happen, how do we navigate and how do we continue? So, yeah, it might be harder for me to make a friend, but once they're created and once a vulnerability is allowed to the point that we're both vulnerable, not just one aspect of that relationship, then they're they're much longer lasting. So there are those friendships that have been forged over time that are still available, but they're not necessarily come and have a cup of coffee and to be okay with that, to be absolutely thrilled that, um, I do love people at the bank or Publix or, and I believe that's part of my ministry as well. But, um, yeah, just trying not to sorrow over things you can't change that, you know, you brought in at the beginning of this episode, a really important uh, focus that without the Holy Spirit, this is really difficult, right? Like he is comforter, he's leader, he's um, going to help you. Like he will be the one giving wisdom. Because uh, the reality is, even after all of that happened to you guys early on, every I mean, your life is ministry. Like you, 
you both speak, you and Leif both speak in conferences around the world. Um, you are in relationship with churches all over the world. Um, and it's like similar to that type of the, the verse that Jesus came to save that which was lost. And then the core of global mission awareness is we're kingdom family movement. So after even being offended and hurt, still choosing family. Why would anyone in their right mind do that? What is the good in that to keep choosing that? Because you can't not do it. Yeah. You can't not do it. Yes, I used a double negative. <laughs> uh, family has, has always been the core of, of who I am. Um, you know, I jokingly tell people, you come against me, it's one thing. You come against my man, ooh. You come against my babies, even though they're all adults, then Mama Bear shows up. And the ones my children love, Emily, Rose, Rayvon, Fuqua, and uh, Lord willing, Vagard. So I slipped that in. Um, and as our familial structure has strengthened, how watching my children navigate through those pains and those wounds, that was worse. You know, having people tell my children they couldn't come over to their house because of certain situations or, you know, yeah, but, yeah, but. And those were the things that I'm like, God, they did not do this. I mean, they, they had nothing to do with any of the being, you know, asked to leave a church and just being super angry with God. But watching my children navigate as young people church wounds and um, trying to help them also see that we're all capable of doing the same. We're all capable of hurting somebody. We're all capable. And yes, it does feel more painful when it's done in the name of Jesus. And you know that's not who Jesus is and that he would not respond that way. But these humans that we gave birth to have grown in such grace and dignity and loving Jesus for the most part. You know, there's still some anti-religious people in my household. The rhetoric is amazing. I know, I know. (laughs) And honestly, I'm anti-religion. I I think religion denominations came from the pit of hell, to be perfectly honest. Those things that we construct in our worlds that are so important that really aren't. The only thing that's everlasting is humans. So to fight over anything else is just ludicrous. To ever appear to someone as if we are higher than God himself is also blasphemy. So our family unit has been so important. And sometimes you did have to just hunker down the six of us before we had daughters and loves and sons and loves. And so um, I believe in that respect it also increased my capacity to be there for family that isn't blood-related, to be there for people who are willing to be part of a family structure, but even for those people to see we don't always do it right, that we make mistakes. You know, for my children to know, look, you don't have to make the same mistakes we did, but let our ceiling be your floor. Or you may also walk and battle and start all over and have to build a different floor (laughs) if you want to work that hard, but you don't have to. And so in the worldwide piece of family, 
uh, I believe the people that know their family know their family. And um, the outpouring of grace and honor and respect, but it goes it goes all the way around. It's not just Daddy Leif and Mama Jen get all the honor and respect. Absolutely not. It has to be all the way around the board. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm no greater because I'm my kid's mom. In God's eyes, I'm a daughter, but so is Lila, so is Courtney, so is Katie, Emily Rose. So... I think always remembering who were we created to be, what we were created to do. It doesn't mean you don't respect those in authority over you. I'm not saying my children were equal to me when I was parenting them, but we were definitely moved into friendship mode and allowing God to be God. Now, if, if anybody wants to submit to instruction, then they've made a choice to submit to instruction, but Always be careful who you're, who you're getting your nutrients from because ultimately it's got to come from the Father. You might have a human form that shares something, but it will take you back to the Father. It won't make you attached to me. I think you and I talked about the church. Sometimes we, we keep people on a bottle because if they're still on the bottle, they still need me. They still need me. And we, as spiritual parents, as physical parents, if our children were still drinking bottles at 31, we would know something was wrong, something was an error. But we got to get the kids off the milk, get them into a little bread, then we move them on to meat. So if the milk is the word and the bread is the grace, then the meat is wisdom. Because they've got to grow up and get to the Father. Because it won't matter when you get to heaven. So-and-so hurt me. Yeah, what'd you do about it? Well, God, you know what I did about it. Yeah, so why are you why are you whining about that now? And you read through Scripture, and sometimes it's hard. Yeah. You know, we read through the, we were talking about the Esther thing the other day, and I'm like, I hate that chapter. I mean, the book in the Bible, it's like all about whiny men and my wife didn't do this. Now we're going to put her away. And I was asking God, why are you having me read Esther? I'm just getting angrier and angrier at misogynistic men. And uh, I could not figure out why I was reading this. And I even told my daddy and he goes, he looks at me and goes, well, I don't know, honey. And I said, just don't tell me it was for such a time as this. I'm Just don't tell me. <laughs> And he said, baby girl, I'm, I might look stupid, but I'm not. And then the Lord told me before our conference in Colorado, because I'm serious, I'm like, I'm just getting angrier and angrier. Because here this young girl is taken away from her family. She's put in a place where she's perfumed and she's pampered and she's this and she's that. And then she comes before a man she doesn't really know. Yeah, he's the king, but. And if she's not chosen, because you read what happened to the other 99, they go back to the harem. What a life. And in Jesus' world, so often, it's just been reduced to the line, you were born for such a time as this. So I was born to be taken from my family. I was born to be humiliated in front of other people and perfumed and pampered and brought before a man I don't even know. And if he doesn't want me, I get, oh, that's what I was born for? Ah, thank you, no. And the Lord said the night before I was supposed to speak, you know why I had you read Esther? I'm like, I'm still kind of wondering, God. And he said, 
she was willing to endure. So many times in Jesus' world, we do still have, especially in Western world, it's going to be easy. Once I turn my life over to Christ, I'll have no struggle. I will have no problem. It's going to be easy. I won't have to be a martyr or I won't have to lose this or I won't have to lose that. And we can read the Bible in its entirety and still come away with a little more Pollyanna view of Jesus than the reality of what it means to follow Christ. Absolutely. And are you willing to endure? Are you willing to endure? Because so many people at the beginning of their journeys don't know there will be endurance called on. They will have to endure. They will have to persevere. They will have to choose Christ over anything else that's going on in their lives. And are you willing? That's so good. There's, you know, Hebrews 12, run the race. You know, if you break down the Greek in that, it's it's a picture of endurance, of an actual race, like an Olympic race. And um, if you're familiar with this, I don't know if the international audience will be, but the movie Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. there's this scene where young Forrest is running and Jenny's calling his name. A truck of mean boys are chasing him. He's, his legs have braces on them. And as he's running, the braces fall off of his legs. And then he is known as... Run, forest, run at that point. Um, but if you break down... Run, forest, run. <laughs> I know. She's just got that lovely southern draw. Uh, if you break down the Greek in this, it's phenomenal because it is that exact picture of as you run, as you pursue Jesus, keeping your eyes on the finisher of your faith, it's those things fall off of you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, when you're offended, when you're hurt keeping your eyes on Jesus, mm-hmm. keeping your heart soft, asking, you know, asking the Father, I know that was not a proper reflection of you. Can you teach me who you actually are? Mm-hmm. You keep pursuing him. Those things are going to come off of you mm-hmm. in due time. And you build muscle. And you build muscle. And That's then right. other stuff happens and you build more muscle. And it doesn't mean I sit there building muscle all the time. Sometimes I bail I go outside and just weep and cry and howl at the moon. And then I step into the reality. So I'm not negating anyone's humanity or their need for hurt, pain, moving through, grief, whatever that's, whatever the process is. Because we're all in process. It's, uh, it's not a one time and we're done and then we're never going to have a conflict again. It's a, there's a conflict, and then there might be another one, and then another one. and But with each muscle memory slipping back into quickly, hopefully, more quickly than before, I know that's not the reality. And how do I navigate where I am right now? How do I give grace even though none's been asked or offered? (laughs) And it does go back to how can I not when I've been given so much? How can I not love? And in one of the early situations, the head elder was the one that I had babysat for for 10 years, and he passed away this past November. And no joke, I wept with the family. I hugged all the kids that I babysat and changed diapers for and felt no animosity I felt no 
well, that's what he gets for, you know, coming against us or nothing like that. And I, and I think that's when you do recognize that forgiveness has truly come is when you do not wish ill upon them or when ill comes, you're able to say, I wish it were me, not you. I could have dealt with that better. So navigating the wounds, yes, but never staying there. And never feeling like I'm just going to put a Band-Aid on it and let it go because that'll fester and it'll stink. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Got to clean it up again. <laughs> well, I have loved the conversation uh, today. Jennifer, if you have any final words, you're welcome to speak your piece and then just pray for us. I think there are no final words, mainly because it, it is just always a process. So I encourage you, wherever you are in your process, to reach out, reach out to someone you can trust, and uh, let go of manipulation, let go of control, and allow the Holy Spirit to control your healing, what that looks like. If you need to get to therapy, I highly recommend therapy. I, I do encourage uh, biblically-based therapy, but... I'm not just talking to a church counselor who doesn't necessarily have a degree in navigating some psychological issues. So depending on what Holy Spirit's telling you, do it. Um, if it takes, you know, just bearing your soul to a trusted soul, whatever, whatever Holy Spirit tells you. Because every time we come out with something, then somebody's going to go do it, and then they didn't get their healing, and then they get mad. So... Again, trusting the Holy Spirit to tell you what you need each and every time and allowing Him to do His work because so many times we forget many of the things that we walk through are going to be tools in our tool belt for the journey that we're on. They're also tools in our tool belt to help other people in their journeys and you cannot help someone with something you haven't overcome. If you reach out to someone who's sitting in the middle of their mess, you're both going to sit in the middle of all of your mess. And there will be no moving forward. It'll just be more mess. So, uh, you know, be wise in who you get help from. And uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just ask Jesus. Father, I just thank you. I, I do, again, apologize that there's ever a need for this discussion. Uh, I know that you, Jesus, every situation you walked into, you left people feeling whole, not broken. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would reach down, that you would touch, that you would cuddle, that you would just pick up all your baby boys and girls, because even grown old people get to be baby boys and baby girls, and that you would nestle them close to your heart, and that you would tell them, I'm sorry for your pain. Now, here's where we're going to go together. And that you would just uh, bring that healing because you're the only one that can. You really are, Father. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for the opportunity to share and to love and to just be human together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.